Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello there, everybody. What Cultures? Adam Cleary here. And just before we start, right, want to let you know you're about to watch the most fun video I have put together. And yes, my God, this is a good one. All right, so question, who is the only character to appear in every single episode of both the original series of Star Trek and The Next Generation. Time's up. The answer is, of course, The Enterprise. Granted, it was played by two different actors across the two different shows, and technically three if you count the motion pictures, but it has been the only recurring element across all the decades of both those shows, and shut up, that's a good joke. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make here is that despite the ship in question being the most important element of making a Star Trek show a Star Trek show, I mean, Christ, the three series that followed the next generation literally named their show after the ship it was taking place on. It's often the most overlooked element of the whole thing. Like, grand sweeping ideas for what to do with it often just don't happen. Now, thankfully, while some of these ideas might have been left on the cutting room floor for budgetary reasons, the internet never forgets. And there are records a plenty of amazing things they wanted to do with the Enterprise in Star Trek The Next Generation that, for one reason or another, just didn't happen. And I've got them all. Yes, I have been through all the old technical manuals, all the deleted scenes, and all the head-in-the-clouds, pie-in-the-sky interviews, which tell us some things about this ship we were never supposed to know. So, my name is Alan Cleary, and these are 10 secrets about the Enterprise D you will not believe. Number 10, the Calypso. So, you remember Star Trek Insurrection? Yes, I know that was the Enterprise. You remember in the midst of the watery plot and hokey action sequences, there was the captain's yacht. And you remember how you thought, well, do you know what? That's actually quite a good little plot device. That They should have had that in the next generation. Well, they did. Yep, the Enterprise D did have one. It was just never included in the show. Basically, on the underside of the saucer section, like opposite to where the main bridge is, Captain Picard had his own personal yacht for diplomatic missions, fun adventures out, or just, I don't know, going on an archaeological dig and getting into a really cerebral short-term relationship with a very intellectual woman. That was like his thing, wasn't it? It did occasionally creep into the show, though. It was included on master system displays, and when asked about it, Patrick Stewart himself said he would have called it the Calypso. So, there you go. Number nine, it was incredibly empty. 
All right, so there is on YouTube an insanely good video by one EC Henry that basically proves that the Enterprise D was virtually a ghost ship. Taking the published schematics of the vessel, which listed it as 642.5 meters long and holding a crew of just over a thousand people, he worked out precisely how much of the ship was actually being used at any one time. On a ship with over 800,000 square meters, that gives each person on board almost 850 square meters to themselves. That is insane. For comparative purposes, the largest military vessels of today have about one-tenth that sort of size with well over six times the number of people on board. You could quite easily and quite conceivably spend all day walking around the ship attending to your various duties and not see one single other person. In fact, the amount of people on the ship means the accommodation required to store them accounted for only 4% of the actual vessel. That is 96% of the ship when everybody's in bed, just not being used. Yes, I know not everyone would be in bed. It's an example. The show actually kind of does support this theory because compared to the original series, the corridors are just very sparsely populated. Like you never see people just bumping into each other from going one place to another. In fact, the only places you do see a lot of people are communal areas like 10 Forward where everybody would naturally congregate. Number eight, it nearly didn't exist at all. Yeah, it's almost impossible to imagine any Star Trek series not taking place on some kind of iconic spacefaring vessel, but the original designs, the original plans for the next generation did not have the Enterprise in it at all. You see, worried about the reaction a new Enterprise would get if it didn't live up to the original, producers discussed a number of options, including just not having it at all, like setting it 200 years after the original series with such giant strides taken in transporter technology that you didn't need starships anymore. The crew would just have a little base and go on mission from there. Thankfully, this idea was scrapped quite early on and they set about designing the USS Enterprise NCC-17017 until the movie started calling it the NCC-1701A, so they changed it to the NCC-1701G and then reined it back a bit and called it the NCC-1701D. There you go. Number seven, you never actually saw the main shuttle bay. Rarely depicted in the show for budgetary reasons and you're going to be hearing a lot of that in the rest of the video. The shuttle bays on the Enterprise were small but functional, you'd say. They were kind of like little cargo bays where you had one or two, one or two things in. However, according to the official design schematics drawn by Rick Sturmach, a man responsible for loads of props on the show, the main shuttle bay was absolutely massive. It was like half as wide as like the middle chunk of the saucer section. It spanned three decks. It was home at any one time to over two dozen craft. Not only that, but there were a number of refueling areas, repair stations, cargo storage things, and a tower that was three decks high. Now, of course, building a practical set of this was deemed way too expensive, but Stage 9 did do a visual rendering of this, and it looks absolutely glorious. Now, I would love to direct you to Stage 9's rendering of the whole Enterprise D, because it was absolutely glorious, but CBS shut them down for copyright and a pox on their house, in my opinion. Number 6. There were dead bodies in the warp nacelles. In the year 2363, the USS Enterprise D launched from the Utopia Planitia shipyards to begin its never-ending mission to chart the galaxy and get involved in all kinds of adventures, but in 2370, they discovered that the warp nacelles had actually been the site of a double murder-suicide before they even left space dock. That would have been, you imagine, quite awkward. In the Season 7 episode, Eye of the Beholder, it's revealed that Walter Pierce, one of the construction team, killed two of his fellow officers in the midst of some seedy love triangle. 
The victims, Marla Thin and William Hodges, were cleverly disposed of in the plasma stream, with Pierce then committing suicide the same way. Their remains weren't discovered for over eight years. However, with Pierce having a Betazoid grandparent, this left a telepathic imprint in the bulkhead, which would later compel other crew members, who were telepathically sensitive, to throw themselves into the plasma stream the same way, and in one case, actually caused Deanna Troy to have such a powerful hallucination that she went completely mad and killed Wolf, sort of, in the process. Number five, it was full of catch. The most advanced ship in the fleet, humanity's greatest technical marvel at this point in its history, the USS Enterprise D was irrefutably, undeniably full of catch. Top to tail, stern to stem, front to back, inside and out, the entire thing just caked in feline blasting powder and I'm not even making this up. But don't worry though, this isn't some weird bottle episode you've missed where Spot decides to mutiny on the crew and instead of just sharpening his claws on all the soft furnishings around the warp core, enacts a dirty protest in 10 forward. Instead, this is real life. You see, the soundstage that was used for the next generation was home to packs of feral cats. Whenever they would leave between seasons, they would just get infested with the things again. And when they came back, they had just curled loads of cat poos out on all the nice carpets. See, humanity, they can, we can conquer the entirely non-trivial challenge of intergalactic spaceflight, but we can't stop Tiddles from going on the floor. Number four, the computer core was huge. If there is one thing I want you to take from this video, right, it's that Captain Picard's ultimate adversary was not the Borg, it was not the Romulans, it wasn't even Q, it was the men at the studio who held the purse strings while all the creative minds behind the show battled to try and get some more money out of them. So much about this ship never saw the light of day because it cost too much. One thing they absolutely tried their best with was the enormous scale of the computer core that helped power the ship. There was three of them on the thing, in fact, and while it is officially canon, it's in all the schematics, it's talked about on the show, it's even shown in part, it was never realized in the scale it was supposed to be. The best we got was these tiny little rooms where you could go in and access the computer core, but you never saw the actual computer core. Original designs had the thing spanning entire decks with crews zipping around on little floating platforms to try and work various terminals on it, not unlike the human brain in the very cute movie, inside out. We just, we're supposed to get that, and we got that. Boo. Number three, the recreation areas. Now, as we have already covered, the Enterprise was an inordinately large ship with an inordinately sparse crew. So part of the idea behind that was you would have everybody spread out all the time doing their jobs with these little areas where they would congregate in groups to remain social. Now, in the show itself, this manifested as 10 forward, where every single person would go to either solve the problems of intergalactic social political war or just talk about the girl that they really fancied. That was in the show, but there was also two forward, nine forward, and loads of smaller breakout areas they were supposed to use in filming. Now, the show's budget would not stretch to the other bar areas, and in truth, there was narratively no reason for them once you'd established 10 forward, but in the first season, they did try to bring these smaller breakout areas by, like, redressing other areas of the sets to make it look like people were just chilling out in little groups, but they binned that off after season one because they were pointless. That said, though, the five-deck-high mall area they were supposed to have, not unlike the promenade in Deep Space Nine, would have made for some very, very interesting creative choices. Number two, it was originally designed for Kirk. 
Yeah, the design of the galaxy-class starship wasn't just pulled out of somebody's arse at the last minute. It had existed for years and years and years and years. In fact, it was originally conceived of during the fallout of the whole Star Trek Phase 2 thing. Now, if you don't know what that is, that is definitely the subject for another video. It was this abortive attempt in the 1970s to revive Star Trek as a TV show, but in a different direction with all new things. And some of the ideas in it were so good that they've gradually been getting milked out for years and years later. The actual original design of the USS Discovery that was for phase two. Now, the story goes that one of the designers on the project, Andrew Probert, left after it all fell apart and frustrated with the constraints put on him, designed a version of the Enterprise that he would have made if he'd been allowed to just break all the rules he was given by the production team. It had to look so much like the original Enterprise, but he didn't want to do that. He wanted to make it look like, well, this. So he did a really nice painting of it and hung it in his office. And then when he got hired to work on the next generation pre-production, he took it with him to the new office and hung it somewhere that Gene Roddenberry saw it and went, that's nice. Now, yes, while it was never actually intended to be commanded by James T. Kirk, the fact that the genesis of the idea, pun very much intended, originated from the original cast is nonetheless incredibly interesting. If it had gone through as phase two and he had been allowed to design it however he wanted, we could have had Kirk, Spock, McCoy et al. in this version of the Enterprise, which is, as sliding doors moments go in Star Trek, that's a pair of sliding doors for you, quite interesting. Number one, Cetacean Ops. Just need to get this sentence out in one concise go so that the unpacking of it doesn't dilute the actual impact of me just saying it, right? The USS Enterprise D had an entire department of the ship that was run, staffed, and commanded by dolphins. Not some dolphin-like Star Trek species called the Flipperanians or something like that. Actual, real-life dolphins that you have seen in a nature documentary, and I have dated at least two women with tattoos of actual dolphins, specifically 12 bottlenose and Pacific bottlenose dolphins, all under the command, and I can't believe I'm saying this, of two whales. The idea was that in a few hundred years we will have effective ways to communicate with these two very intelligent species and their entire different approaches to science, to culture, to pretty much everything would make them invaluable members of a starship crew, specifically when it came to xenolinguistics, because they've got an entirely different language of their own, and complex three-dimensional navigational issues, because they live in the sea. Curse the many gods of Western commerce that we never ever got to see this on television or in the movies, but it is definitely canon, because Geordie LaForge actually asks somebody if they have got a chance to see the dolphins, and in yesterday's Enterprise, a call goes out over the comm for a Dr. Joshua Kim to report to Cetacean Ops. So just once more, the USS Enterprise NCC-1701D had an entire department on board that was run, staffed, and commanded by dolphins and whales and Dr. Joshua Kim. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered.